Black lady, black lady adulting. I got bills, I got school, I got, I gotta do. Got a husband with no kids. Every night we work on it. Black lady, black lady adulting. You are enough. Anonymous. Hello, friends. Welcome to Black Lady Adulting, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Joaquina Stone. So my last episode, I talked about mental health and wellness. And for this episode, I thought it would be apropos to talk about physical health, not physical health in the sense of working out and fitness, but more so the health challenges that black women have, specifically as it relates to our wombs. Yes, you heard right, our wombs, our uteri, our cervixes, ovaries, all the things that make up our womb space. One of the reasons I wanted to start Black Lady Adulting is because, as I mentioned in my first episode, there are certain life tasks that I wasn't necessarily prepared for. Granted, you can't be prepared for everything life throws at you, but there are some experiences that should be discussed and normalized. Before I dive into my topic, I do want to give a trigger warning. This episode will discuss, well, I will discuss some sensitive topics. I'm going to get really personal today, so I figured maybe I shouldn't have a guest. But the topics include menstrual cycles, pregnancy, miscarriages, and women's health issues. So I understand that folks may be in different mental and emotional spaces as it relates to some of these topics. So I just wanted to be courteous and share that what the topic was going to be so folks can be mentally prepared. Or take a break from this episode and come back to it later if you're not in the space to hear it. This episode is going to be really personal, like I mentioned. I share my story in hopes to affirm women who may be going through similar experiences, not just so y'all can be all up in my business. So let's begin, shall we? So where shall I start? Um, I'm going to go way back. Uh, so my cycle has always been irregular for the most part. Maybe in high school it was regular, but that was probably like the only time. And when I got to college, my cycle did whatever it wanted to do. Sometimes it would come once a month. Sometimes it would come twice a month. Sometimes it would last for a month. Uh, I got fed up with the unpredictability of it all. So I went to the doctor. You know what folks do when they think something's wrong. They go to the doctor. So they prescribed me birth control to regulate my cycle. Looking back on it, that probably was not the right thing to do. Clearly, there was some underlying issue causing my irregular cycles. So prescribing birth control was treating the symptom, but not the actual problem. Like that's equivalent to, you know, recommending a woman shave her head bald because clumps of hair are falling out. Okay, yeah, that might stop the clumps of hair from falling out, but that doesn't address why the hair was falling out in the first place. But I was young and I didn't know any better, so I took the birth control. That's until it started to make me feel a little out of whack. I'd have these horrible mood swings, like horrible, horrible. And I'm a pretty chill person, but I'd go off at like the slightest thing. It was really bad. So I stopped taking the birth control. And sure enough, once I stopped taking the birth control, my cycles went back to being irregular. I didn't worry too much about it because I was active in college. I was on the dance team or a dance team that I created with some of my friends. I regularly went to the gym. I chalked it up to just being fit. Um, But then I started to notice some other issues. So my hands were kind of shaky. My heart would beat kind of fast. I was thinner than usual. And I've always been slim, but I was like borderline sickly skinny. So I went back to the doctor and I was diagnosed with 
Graves' disease. So Graves' disease is an autoimmune disorder that causes a hyperactive thyroid. Basically, your immune system attacks the thyroid and the thyroid ends up just doing too much, producing too many hormones, causing your body to feel out of whack. It can cause weight loss, heart palpitations, hair loss, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, If it gives you any context, it's the same disease that Missy Elliott um, talked about having. So, anywho, I was put on meds for that. Uh, My doctors also mentioned that because, you know, your thyroid regulates your hormones, it can also cause irregular cycles. So, I was prescribed my thyroid medicine and birth control again. Eventually, my thyroid issue went into remission, but I still didn't like the way the birth control was making me feel at this point, and I was more cognizant of birth control being a Band-Aid. So, I got off the birth control again and by this point you know I'm in grad school I've moved from Oregon to Maryland and I'm in grad school and I had to find a new doctor and when I did I brought up my irregular cycle now this heifer the doctor and normally you know I don't like calling women outside their name but this doctor was a heifer that day this doctor told me you should be glad you're not getting your cycle. Someone, some women get really bad cramps and just have horrible experiences. So just be glad that you don't experience any of that. You're fine. You're probably just really active, so it throws off your cycle. So I explained to this doctor that eventually, you know, eventually I want to be a mom. And I kind of have to ovulate for that to happen. I can't be taking birth control to get pregnant. She just brushed it off and was like, you'll be fine. She didn't run not nary a test. She gave that opinion just based off of looking at me. Like, when I say she didn't run no test, she didn't draw no blood, she didn't do nothing. And at that point, I knew that me being physically active was not the reason why I wasn't getting my cycle. I was in grad school. I barely had time to socialize. I definitely wasn't making time to go to the gym. So, needless to say, found a new doctor. But even with the new doctor... No one could tell me why my cycle was irregular. My new doctor believed it was probably my thyroid. So she ran some tests, which yielded no real results. Um, But in 2013, my Graves' disease, it did return. And my doctor was adamant that that was why my cycle was irregular. So to treat the Graves' disease, and I'm just telling y'all all all my business, but it's okay because it's for a large purpose. Um, So to treat the Graves' disease, my options were I could... Take some medicine that could eventually cause kidney failure? No, thank you. I could take radioactive iodine? No, thank you. When I went to get some tests done, one of the nurses gave me the radioactive iodine before the x-ray, and she was adamant, like, don't touch the drug with your fingers. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. So I'm thinking, like, I can ingest this, but you don't want me to touch it? No, thank you. So my last option, which was ultimately what I went with, It seemed like the best option that would not impact pregnancy because Graves' disease, uh, it can't really be cured on medicine. It can go into remission and it might never come back, but there's always a chance that it could return. So if I were to get pregnant and my Graves' disease returned, I wouldn't be able to treat it because the drugs that you use to treat it could be harmful for the baby. But the imbalance in hormones could also be harmful for the baby. So my best option was removing the thyroid. Um, because that would mean that I wouldn't have the Graves' disease and I wouldn't have the risk of it returning. I would have to take a hormone pill every day to replace the hormone that the thyroid creates, but for the most part, it seemed like the best option. 
So in 2014, my thyroid was removed. The surgery went well. And after about six months following the surgery, I still was not getting my cycle. So I went back to my doctor and this heifer, a different heifer from the last one, said, oh, well, it's probably not your thyroid causing your irregular cycles then. It must be something else. Really, ma'am? So I didn't went through a whole surgery for something that you were adamant would fix my irregular cycles. And all you can say is, oh, well, that wasn't the reason. So by this point, I was pissed. No one could tell me what the issue was. So again, I had to go on the hunt for a new doctor. Um, And after finding a new doctor and chatting with her, explaining my medical history, my thyroid issues, my regular cycles, she said, it sounds like you might have PCOS. I'm going to run some tests to see what's going on. This was the first time I felt like someone took time to really investigate my issue. Prior to that point, no one seemed to know or do the work to find out what was going on with me. And so I was eventually diagnosed with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. But before I talk about that, I have to say that when I reflect on the experience, my this whole experience, it's evidence of the poor health care services that black women receive. Our needs aren't taken seriously because our lives aren't valued. As Dr. Megan mentioned in a previous episode about mental health, because of gendered racialized stereotypes about black women being seen as strong, we're seen as able to endure more pain and leading and needing less medical attention. Um, we saw it with Serena Williams when she was giving birth. She explained that she had blood clots to the doctor and the doctor wouldn't listen to her. And she's one of the greatest athletes of all time. So anywho, I was diagnosed with PCOS and all those, although doctors should have done their due diligence in figuring out what was going on with my health, PCOS is typically associated with women who are diabetic um, or who are severely overweight. Most women who have PCOS um, also have excessive uh, facial hair. Um, I, I don't have any of those. I mean, I might have a little mustache, but you know, it's not that thick, but I don't have any of those. And so the doctor's probably overlooked uh, PCOS because I didn't necessarily fit the bill. Um, But I still say that they were trash and they were some healthers for not even trying to figure out what was going on. But my new, more competent doctor explained that it shows up in my blood. So like when she ran some blood tests, certain hormone levels were high. And according to the Mayo Clinic, polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, is a hormonal disorder One in 10 women who are childbearing age suffer from this disorder. Women with PCOS may have infrequent or prolonged menstrual cycles, which is what I experienced. They also may have excessive uh, male hormones. The ovaries may develop numerous small collections of fluid, which is follicles, and they fail to regularly release eggs, which is why, um, which is what causes the the irregular cycles, and ultimately the infertility. Up until my experience with PCOS and that episode of Girlfriends when Maya was diagnosed with fibroids, I had no idea how prevalent womb issues are in the black community. Research shows that black women suffer more frequently from womb issues. So when I say womb issues, I'm talking about not just PCOS, but a lot of different things that happen with the womb. And so I'm going to go through them in a little bit more detail. 
So as reported by the Endometriosis Foundation for America, and I'm reading this directly from their um, web website. So I want y'all to think I'm plagiarizing or I sound like a you know robot when I'm reading. Um, but I wanted to get this information correct for y'all. So as reported by the Endometriosis Foundation of America, black women have higher maternal mortality and injury rates, irrespective of income or education level. Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications than white women. Black women are also three to four times more likely to suffer from a severe disability resulting from childbirth than white women. And this is regardless of your educational background or how much money you make. We often sometimes think that like, oh, if I get this education, if I get a good job, I'll be fine. Those things don't matter as it relates to maternal mortality and injury rates. Um, I read recently about uh, a black woman. She was a chief of staff at a hospital, and she unfortunately passed away because of complications after childbirth with preeclampsia. Um, The next fact, black women experience disparities in infertility rates, stigmatization, and access to fertility care. So according to Women's Health Mag, infertility affects at least 12% of women of childbearing age. But this number doubles for black women in the U.S. While more than 20% of black women may experience infertility, only 8% of them seek medical help to get pregnant compared to 15% of white women. This could be caused by, you know, financial status or access to health care. I'm not really sure. Um, I read an article a while back that said by the time women can afford fertility treatment, they're past childbearing age. So if you don't have a job with like bomb health care insurance that covers fertility challenges, you may be left to deal with these things on your own. The next fact, the Mayo Clinic also reports that health conditions that disproportionately impact impact black women, such as uterine fibroids, receive very little government research funding. Nearly a quarter of black women between the ages of 18 and 30 have fibroids compared with 7% of white women. By age 35, that number increases to 60%. 60%. However, the NIH annual funding for the condition is only 17 million. I say only, like that's not a lot. But the the funding for fibroids, fibroid research is 17 million compared to 86 million for cystic fibrosis, which impacts far fewer people each year, with the majority of those folks being impacted being white. The next fact. Various sources report that black women are underrepresented in clinical trials that require consent and are overrepresented in studies that do not. So all women are underrepresented in clinical research and trials for new drugs. However, this situation is more critical for black women. In fact, black women who are disproportionately impacted by uterine fibroids only comprise 15% of participants in published clinical trials for the condition. So due to racist medical histories, black women may not feel comfortable engaging in clinical research, which causes underrepresentation in some of these studies. And there might be overrepresentation in the ones that don't require consent, maybe because of financial status or educational background. I'm not sure. Um, next fact. Also, according to Women's Health Mag, black women also experience higher rates of endometriosis and are typically misdiagnosed because there's been less research done on the prevalence of endometriosis in the black community. And the last fact, 
According to the American Journal of Epidemiology, in a study conducted in 2013, black women had higher rates of miscarriages than their white counterparts. So these these statistics are concerning and disheartening. Don't be confused, though. Black women's bodies are not inferior or just prone to womb issues because of our melanin. These womb issues are associated with systemic racism that seeps into our systems, including the the medical system. That's why it's called systemic racism. So it's showing up in a way that has a real impact for our lives um, and our livelihood and our ability to reproduce. And beyond the fact that these statistics are extremely saddening, what's more heartbreaking is that black women are suffering from these issues in silence. When I was first diagnosed with PCOS and infertility, I felt a certain level of shame, like there was something wrong with me. And like medically speaking, yeah, I guess, you know, I had a disorder. So I guess technically there was something wrong with me, but I took the diagnosis personal and it impacted my mental health. Like I felt like I was less of a woman. How can I, a black woman, be infertile? Black women are superheroes. We are the mothers of civilization. We are the mothers of fashion. We are the mothers to children who sometimes aren't even our own. How can I not get pregnant? How can I not even get a regular cycle? And it didn't help that I will often get the question, when y'all having kids? Which was a trigger, but I'm going to come back to that later. Um... I felt like my body was failing me and it really wasn't until I started to like do some self reflection and to do some healing work that I started to change how I spoke about myself to myself. Um, When I started going to therapy, my therapist helped me reframe and reminded me that my body is doing the best that it can. My body is not failing me. There are so many other things that I'm able to do. I can breathe. I can walk. I can, you know, my knees might be creaking all the time, but I can get up and down the stairs. I have all my five senses. You know, my body's not failing me. It's doing the best that it can. And although I may not be getting what I want, which is, you know, trying to get pregnant, um, for the most part, I'm a health, I'm a healthy individual. So I had to really reframe how I spoke about myself. Um, And in this past year, I've known so many women who have had fibroid issues or had to have surgeries or who had womb issues. And so they weren't talking about these things, though. It wasn't until I'm like, oh, man, I got PCOS because I talk about it. And people might think that I'm weird that I bring it up, but I talk about it in an effort to normalize it. And it wasn't until I started having some of these conversations that I heard other women saying like me, too. And like, you know, I never thought about this and nobody ever talked to me about this. And so that's part of the reason um, why I'm sharing my story, but why it's important for us to to share our stories with each other so we can heal and not feel like we have to go through this on our own. So if you are a woman listening who has womb issues, any of the ones that I mis- mentioned, or maybe I didn't mention one, know that your body is enough. You're not less of a woman. It doesn't make you weak. Talk about your experiences so you can heal from them. You should not feel shame because it's something that you cannot control. Explore different options if you find yourself hitting a wall like I did. Like for years, and y'all, I mean, and that's why I shared my story. For years, I was getting nowhere. Um, And so find different doctors. Try a holistic path. There was a time where I was getting Yoni's themes like once a month, and that helped. Um, But it got to be a little bit expensive, so I had to calm down on that. But, you know, changing my diet, reducing my caffeine intake. I drink now what I call womb tea, but it's a mix of red clover leaf and raspberry tea. And it's supposed to help with PCOS. And I think that it actually is helping. 
Um, but, you know, try to go to therapy, talk through your emotions, talk to your friends who listen and support you. Don't suffer in silence. Lean on your community. And if you're listening and you don't have womb issues, make space for your sisters to talk about their experiences. Listen to them, exp- support them. My actual sister was one of the first uh, folks that I talked to about these issues. And this is why I always say my sister is the best sister ever. She may not even remember saying this, but when I was talking to her about what I was going through, her words to me were, I'm sorry, Kina, I'll carry your baby for you if you need me to. And I was just like, oh, I just love you so much. Um, I just thought that that was like one of the nicest most supportive loving things that she could say and it was very powerful now I'm not saying that you know for folks out there I'm not saying that you need to offer to carry somebody's baby for them to be supportive I'm just saying show up from for them and for all my listeners men women transgender everything in between be thoughtful about how you get engaged the women in your life Don't judge women for taking days off around the same time each month. They may suffer from endometriosis, which can cause severe pain during their cycle. Don't blame women's attitudes on them being on their cycle, Um, which, I mean, sometimes it might be because we be going through a lot when we are on our cycles. Um, But that doesn't mean that you get the right to just dismiss women um, because they're on their cycle. Um, Don't ask women or men, for that matter, when they're having kids, because it could be a trigger. Some women don't want kids and they don't want to have to explain to you why. Some women may have suffered multiple miscarriages. Like, you know, Gabrielle Union talked about going through like eight or nine miscarriages and people still judged her for getting a surrogate. Um, Or maybe some women suffer from infertility caused by PCOS, like, like me or other womb issues. And so when you ask that question, it's a reminder um, that their body, at least that's what I thought back then. It was a reminder for me that, oh, my body's not working. Um, so just be mindful about how you engage the women in your life. I do remember my husband telling me a story about one of his acquaintances asking him, like, oh, when are you and your wife going to have kids? And I say acquaintance because they really wasn't that close, so he really shouldn't have been asking that question. Um, but he was like, when are you and your wife going to have kids? And my husband's response was, stay out my wife's ovaries. And the acquaintance got uncomfortable real quick. And although that story is funny to me, because if you know my husband, he's kind of just like he's real chill and he's very he could be curt sometimes. Um, But it's a funny story to me. But it's also an illustration of how people feel so comfortable asking questions that they really shouldn't be asking. But then they get uncomfortable when you give them a blunt response. So in my theme song, I say, you know, every night we work on it, not just because we do, but because that's usually the response I give to people when they ask me, when am I having kids? And oftentimes that response, like people get upset, like, girl, you ain't got to tell me all that. That's TMI. So you want to know. So you want to know when a child will slide out of my lady parts, but it's inappropriate for me to say that we practice every night. Okay. Okay. Just, you know, want to be clear. Um, so I say all that to say that we just have to be mindful about how we speak to women. Um, and if you're a woman listening, we have to be mindful about how we speak to ourselves. And so hopefully this episode will help shed light on some of the challenges that women face. And I really hope that if you are listening and you have, you know, had some challenges in the past that you feel affirmed, um, and know that your body is enough. So I wish you all love and light. Thank you for joining me on this ultra personal episode of Black Lady Adulting. And now for the my girlfriends 
segment. Today I am honoring one of my dear friends, Jamila, but I call her Jam. Jam and I met in high school through an after-school leadership program. We went on to attend college together and dance on the Dime Squad together and graduate at the same time um, when we both moved away from Oregon. So she moved to Atlanta and I moved to the DMV area. About seven years ago, she got pregnant with her first baby, and I was so excited. I was supposed to go visit her in Atlanta for her baby shower, but around the same time, she was diagnosed with preeclampsia, and her doctor put her on bed rest. So preeclampsia is when you have high blood pressure um, during your pregnancy, and I think there's like excess protein in your body. She told me that, you know, it'd be better if I visit her, visited her after the baby was born. And so her beautiful baby was born. She sent me pictures. We talked while she was at the hospital. And then a few days later, I started getting texts from friends and family asking me, asking me about her. Apparently, there were some posts on Facebook that made people worry about her health. And because I wasn't on Facebook, I really didn't know what was going on. But I had literally just talked to Jam, so I figured, you know, everything was cool. So I called her just to be sure, and her boyfriend answered the phone and told me that Jam was in ICU because of complications after childbirth. Apparently, she had been having trouble breathing, um, which she shared with her nurses. But at some point, um, when the nurses were doing their rounds, they found Jam unresponsive. Jam Jam survived the trauma, um, but she's not the same person that I knew in high school and college, Um, at least not physically. Um, Till this day, I'm still unsure what happened, but here's what I do know about preeclampsia and postpartum eclampsia and the effects that it can have. Um, So like I mentioned earlier, preeclampsia is when a pregnant mother has high blood pressure and excess protein in their body and in their urine. Typically, it resolves itself after childbirth, but some women, for some women, it can turn into postpartum eclampsia if it's not treated. Um... And that can cause permanent damage to vital organs, including your brain, your eyes, liver, kidneys. Uh, It can also cause pulmonary edema or edema. I'm not a doctor, so I might be saying this wrong. Um, But it's a life-threatening lung condition that occurs when excess fluid develops in the lungs. Uh, Postpartum eclampsia can also lead to stroke and thromboembolism, which is traveling blood clot clots, both of which need immediate medical attention. I don't know what happened in the hospital after Jam gave birth, but her life was forever changed. And like I mentioned earlier, black women are three to four times more likely than others to experience severe injury after childbirth. Jam now uses a wheelchair. She goes to speech therapy and physical therapy to help her adjust to her new normal. Um, And at this point, it's not really new anymore. It's been a few years. And even though she has changed physically, she's still the beautiful, loving, funny friend that I knew from high school. I got to visit her uh, a few years back, and I love when we're able to FaceTime and just reminisce about our college days. So, Jam, I honor you today with this My Girlfriend segment. I love you. I'm grateful to have you as a friend, and I pray for your continued healing um, as you continue on this journey. 